Welcome to Allie and Pacero. This is Alan Allie, Jim Pacero, with our friend James Ball. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Good Jimmy. to be here. Yes. How you doing? Uh, well, I have to go to Verizon. I know. After this, I have a dead phone. So. Those of the, so, yeah. you that suffered through our pre-show you know, know so all about Jim's phone. <laughs> what's so funny about, about all that stuff is that you you always say, I'm going to have a weekend where I'm not going to put away my phone and do all this stuff. And then when your phone actually does break and you get a message oh, from yeah. God, then, yeah. you, then you, you, right. you, yeah, you have none of those thoughts. No, well, we don't. We didn't know if you were getting any of our messages last night. I'd responded finally, didn't I, on my laptop? Eventually, yeah. Oh, was that it? Yeah, it was on your laptop. Yeah, because of the well, the Android doesn't. Ha- we had, it, before it died, it hadn't quite figured out how to send emails. And those of you that think this isn't part of the show, it is because this is what Republicans do now since the administration change. We we don't want to talk about <laughs> politics anymore. Just talk about so our lives. So we talk about our lives and our phones and things. But there was an administration change. Mm-hmm. There was. Joe Biden was not was not nominated. Joe Biden was sworn in as the forty sixth president mm-hmm. of the United States. And did you guys watch? Yes. Yep. The whole thing. Yes. Watched it. Observations. Well, you want to go first? Well, I think the the thing that everyone's talking about is is all the unity, you know, come together, you know, kumbaya, that sort of thing. And what I'm concerned That's your with, observation. Yeah. Was that not your observation? No. What was, what just, was your observation? I want your observation. What was your observation? <laughs> well, I mean, this is this has kind of been the thing ever since he got ever since he got um got elected. Right. Was to come together, you know, I'm going to be the president for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um my concern is what he means by unity. And so what he's pretending to mean is come together as a country, come together as humanity. We're going to come together and, you know, we're going to debate our differences as brothers and sisters and not as mortal enemies like we've been doing for the last four years. So that's that's what I think he's trying to get at. What I suspect he actually means is we're all going to come together behind this one political stance. And of course, the political stance is, you know, his and so if you're all we're all going to come together and push together this progressive democratic agenda and if you don't do that then well you're not being you're you're sticking to the Trump way of doing things and not uni- unifying in the way that you should and you're going to get a slap on the wrist because you're the problem for not coming along with all 17 executive orders that I signed on day 1 to reverse all of what Trump did the last 4 years because you know unity we need to unify I kept waiting for the moment in the speech, Alan, and I'm sure you did too, where he was going to actually I, I, try to explain why the right hates the Democrats so much and why there's a populist movement. And really, yeah, you were, he, you thought he was going to. I was hoping. There? Oh, I hope him. I didn't think he. I mean, he, but he didn't understand it any more than my liberal friends do at the at my dinner club. And, I don't think they care. Well, well, this is what Alan was sent on the one of the uh, articles he sent is. They think we need to be reprogrammed. Yes. They think the right needs to be denazified. Well, the Oregonian is starting starting that today with a what, what's that? Where are the mainstream Republicans? Yes. Kind of lead editorial. Yeah. No. I so one. I thought it was well orchestrated. The the inauguration. Yes. Yes. And I thought he did a good job with the speech. Um, Mostly. The yeah, the yeah. thing that was it didn't so jarring to me was. You go from that speech, and then the an hour order. later, an executive orders. You knew that was yeah. coming. I, I yeah. didn't oh, actually, I did. and it was an opportunity to say, even if he would have said, "Let's just take one, the Keystone Pipeline." Right, right. Mm-hmm. 
if he would have said, okay, we're going to reopen the study of the Keystone Pipeline and look at what the climate impact is and look at what the um, economic possibilities are for it. Because things like the Keystone Pipeline, look, I'm a big electric car guy. I always have been. I'm a mechanical engineer, worked for Ford. I get it. Electric cars are going to be better. And they're probably going to be cheaper. Mm -hmm. But what it means is gas-powered vehicles, if you keep the cost of oil low, will be very economical for people that can't afford a new electric car. So, but... But if you, and maybe this is the strategy, if you raise the price of oil so high and you ban fossil-fueled cars, you force lower-income people into mass public transportation. Yeah. Well, that doesn't work in Burns. It doesn't work in Baker City. They don't it, care. I, I think that's... I think that's it. Yeah. Right? And, and this is, this is the problem with Kate Brown. This is the problem with Joe Biden. This is the problem with the Democratic Party is they like to measure things using exactly one metric. And their exactly one metric is, is this good in this case? Is, is this good for the environment? And yeah, you're right. They're trying to drive the price of oil and fuel so high that people will either be forced to buy electric vehicles or take public transit. And the, the, their goal is save the planet. And it doesn't really matter what happens to the people in Burns. Because in their mind, if we don't do something, the world's going to end in 12 years, which is catastrophizing. Well, it, it, and, and not to say that climate change is not a problem, but the world's not going to end in 12. Well, actually, I think it's, it's down to 10 now, right? Because this was made a couple of years ago. Right. So it's we're down, we're to, down 10. to 10 years before the world ends. So who do you think, uh, who do you think Joe Biden's more focused and afraid of, uh, you know, in, in moving the demo, his agenda or the Democratic agenda, is he more is he more afraid of the fifty Republican senators plus Joe Manchin, or is he more afraid of Bernie Sanders and AOC and the left? And I think that that probably goes back and forth in his mind. I think they're more afraid of Trump coming back in some reincarnation. Yeah. And I think that's why you're seeing the whole impeachment thing still going forward, that they want to put a, a legal stake in his heart. That's Make a, sure I he think doesn't. I think that's a different conversation. Oh, okay. Between, Go ahead. You know, you're talking about political movement and, and who might win the next presidential election. I thought we were talking about the president sitting there in the oh, Oval. Oh, moving forward. His agenda, legislative agenda, <laughs> which, which one has more influence on him. You know, is it is it the Republican senators in Manchin and Manchin and therefore he has to moderate it and not do too much climate change? Or is it AOC and Bernie Sanders and the progressives? Who's he who's, I, who's going to have a bigger push? On I don't it? think they're worried about AOC and Bernie Sanders. I, I think I, I think AOC and Bernie Sanders serve a purpose in the Democratic Party, and that is to make Joe Biden look like a moderate. Their purpose is to propose crazy <laughs> out of the left field bills that are going to get yeah, but, dismissed and they're going to make a lot of noise. And and so Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden can come back and say, look, we're standing up to the progressive end of the party. We're moderates. Come on, guys. Let's let's all get together behind these very left wing policies, but not quite as left wing as AOC. That That's her purpose in, in the in the house. Yeah. I think her purpose is to keep that wing of the party engaged. Well, that too. Yeah. And Biden seemed to do a pretty good job of upsetting them. In his cabinet picks, that was interesting. He hmm. probably he probably veered more to the to the moderate side of yeah. the cabinet picks than he did to the progressive side. Uh, but 
it's a little deeper than, you know, AOC and Bernie and in, in, in the way that Washington DC is structured, unfortunately, is that, is that these interest groups, these, these, these politicians represent these national interest groups that raise a lot of money. So right. even, even if the <clears throat> progressive agenda, you, you have 200 and I don't know, 25 house Democratic house members or 220 or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Even if the progressives only, only represent 75 to 100 of those members, even if the majority are the Kurt Schraders, which probably barely they are. Um, these are the ones that raise the money that have the, that have the MSNBC megaphone and all of that and are growing in the party. So we just reached the end of our first segment. We're going to come back, continue to talk about this. I want to get into looking at history and looking at what's happened in the past when you had these fractions in the various political parties. Also, we'll take questions. So we'll, we'll take a second, look online, check out the questions that we might have from people. This is Ali Ampicera with James Ball. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Allie and Pissarro with our friend James Ball. Our millennial representative is here with us. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, woohoo. Woohoo. I got it. Millennials. Um, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to, so I was thinking about this and they're talking about Trump creating a new party and, you know, fractures in the Republican party and the Democratic party always has fractures in it. And I went back and looked at the election of 2012. And one of the things that you can do is go to Wikipedia, type in presidential election of 2012. And then there's a little, it's hard to find, but there's a little thing in the upper right-hand corner, and you can click through and watch each subsequent election or previous election and look at the map, and there's a little write-up on who ran and what happened. But in 2012, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, former president Theodore Roosevelt, was upset with the Republicans. 1912. I'm sorry, in 1912. 1912. Yeah, I was um, like, what? <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt was upset with the Republicans he was upset uh, with, with Howard ha- Taft. With Howard Taft, who he picked. Right. To be the president. Yeah. yeah. And Taft was the sitting president. Right. And Roosevelt ran against him mm-hmm. in the progressive bull moose party. Yes. And had, and you read through it and you read about, you know, sort of how the, the progressives have changed and moved and formed. And he got 27% of the vote. Yeah. Taft got 23%. Taft only got eight electoral votes. And Wilson wins in a landslide. With four hundred and thirty, yeah, and we hadn't had it, and there hadn't been a Democrat since Grover Cleveland. So, so the, there had been, you know, that was a lot. And and Grover Cleveland, I think, was the only Democratic president uh, until Wilson uh, f- uh, from the Civil War. Yeah. So, but what happened was when 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 Roosevelt decided he couldn't stand Taft, and he walked out of the Republican convention and formed his own party. Taft pounded went pounded and went home to Ohio and didn't campaign. Yeah. So the the, the sitting incumbent president went and sat on his porch. See, Jim has all of this in his head. Yeah. I have it in, you Wikipedia. Have in Wikipedia. Right. Yeah. 
So, so when I was I, sleeping, I vaguely through, remember it. From... When I was sleeping through history <laughs> class and didn't take any history once I graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness there's Wikipedia, mm-hmm. so I can hang with guys like Jim as long as I have my computer. But the interesting thing is, when you look at this, mm-hmm. it's happened several times in our past. Mm-hmm. Very rancorous, you know, very aggressive. Fighting. Strom Thurmond walked out of the Democratic Conven- Convention in 1948 when Harry Truman was running against Tom Dewey, and people thought Truman was going to lose. Well, and, of that. and these conventions. Tr- Thurmond carried four or five states. For example, Wilson won the presidential nomination on the 46th yeah. ballot. Yeah. These things used to go over, and they'd vote and vote well, and back, vote and vote. Back in 1912, people thought. They needed 46 ballots because people thought that making a professor from Princeton, president of the United States, might not be too good of an idea because you know the way professors are. Yeah. But in 2008, we were much more hip to the idea of a professor as president. Well, (laughs) the thing that I want to point out to people is this isn't unusual. Mm -hmm. What we're going through right now is not unusual. The other thing is, is that it seems to happen. There's a lot of smoke and fire and then... Things kind of collapse back into well, quasi normal. With the exception of the origins of the Republican Party, was the probably the only time that one of these sort of insurrections lasted. Lasted, right? Well, uh, one of the things that's going on right now is that uh, I think that when the mob went up to the hill and on January sixth and invaded the Capitol, there was a lot of thinking on the Republican part that uh, that wasn't such a good deal and the president was responsible. And even Kevin McCarthy came out and said the president was on the House floor, said the president was responsible. And then when they had the impeachment vote, only 10 House members, I read somewhere where maybe 140 think that the president was at fault in the House, but they only got 10 votes. And out of those 10, They've all got candidates now against them. I mean, one of them is Jamie Herrera Butler. They're two from Washington State. And I guess the biggest donor in Washington State said that, you know, uh, Jamie Herrera is still my friend. I've read this on CNN, but I will spend my whole life working to defeat her. And now Liz Cheney has has an opponent. And Kevin McCarthy basically retracted his words. So there's been a lot of pushback from the grassroots to people, members of Congress who were thinking that Donald Trump had crossed way too far a line in his inciting of the January 6th events. And so, therefore, you think, oh, so so then the media, like the Oregonian and the liberals who don't kind of understand what's going on in the Republican Party, write these things. And Alan, you were involved in this, you know, working with the Oregonian, trying to work with the Oregonian this week. So they write this stuff that says basically, oh, my God, why can't we have mainstream Republicans and all this? You know, geez, we just got these nuts and, you know, they've taken over and they're not going to let go and Donald Trump's never going to go away. I think that that's too narrow a look at it. Obviously, the Republican Party's got some issues right now, but we have so many interesting voices from a Christy Nome to a Nikki Haley to a Tim Scott to a Marco Rubio to a Ben Sass. I mean, to Lindsey Graham. I mean, there are going to be lots of voices that are going to emerge. And it's not going to be simple for Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump will get a television network up pretty fast. And I think that Kaylee McAuley mm-hmm. will be the host of the TV network because I think that Donald Trump's going to need uh, a communication vehicle. I mean, it's not going to be that much different than Ronald Reagan do. I mean, it's going to be different, but Ronald Reagan did after 76 when he lost to Jerry Ford, 
have a five minute address every Saturday. So he had a communication vehicle to stay in this. And I think Donald Trump will establish it, but I don't think it'll be that simple to keep the Trump fever going in the party. Well, I, I think 73 million people voted for him and the Oregonian yeah. and most Democrats sort of dismiss that. Yeah. And, and that it really was a very close election and there's four states where it was less than 1% of the vote and it could have gone the other way. And, and they don't, they don't intellectually mm-hmm. understand right. that. And, and they, they devalue. So there's a picture on the front page of this opinion piece. I can hold it up here. Yeah. And it's people in front of the uh, Salem Capitol, beards and red hats and that sort of thing, lots of American flags. And what they're doing by doing this, where's the mainstream GOP? They are mainstream. That is America. <laughs> the deplorables right? are the mainstream. They are. Th- yeah. That is America. Yeah. And and they they think that downtown Portland liberal Democrats and liberal Republicans are America. They're not. And the thing that I've understood is everything that's happened probably since 2008 forgot these guys. These guys didn't get anything. They didn't right. get bailed out. Their, their wages. Maybe are, I think more like maybe 1992. Well, maybe their, Ross their wages are the same as they were back then. They're, less, they're $15 an hour at the, and there's, at the, at the, at the Home Depot. And there's a bunch of people that were, that are chronically unemployed. They lost their jobs in 08 and in 2010. They've dropped out of looking for work and therefore they're not included in the unemployment yeah. statistics anymore. And, and to demean people, to the point of you're you're not mainstream you don't count you're just crazy is is what they're doing and what when and you do that 75 million people I had 75 million people i had this discussion on facebook the other day of and it's like 75 million people and the left is so quick to paint them all with the same brush that they're all these white nationalists they're all this you know these these basket of deplorables 75 million people you know, even if you count people who, who it's not 50%, you know, it's 40% of the country because there's 330 million people here, but that's a huge amount of people. And not all of them are, I mean, there's, you'll find a, a couple of those people that meet that description, but by and large, that's not them. This is a huge portion of the country. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back. We're going to continue talking about, uh, Trump supporters and my coin of a phrase is I'm a Trump supporter. Supporter, and why the Oregonian rejected Alan Alley this week? We're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back after a break. This is Alien Pacero. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero with her friend James Ball. We're going to pivot back and talk about January 6th. James, you had some observations about that? Yeah, so this is just something that came to me. It's it's not a totally fleshed out idea, but the 75 million people the mainstream the grassroots whoever we want to re- refer to these the 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 majority of the republican party what happens on january 6th 
if the Capitol Police had actually been it there in force and prevented them from going into the Capitol? What happens if that's truly a peaceful protest that, you know, yeah, they had they had a gallows. I guess they found some some pipe bombs, but um, not but I mean, those are those are pretty substantial things. But what happens if the Capitol Police, if the if the National Guard had been called, if they put a circle around the Capitol and nobody actually goes inside? That's bad luck. That was bad luck for Donald Trump because I think that's probably what he was expecting and that's what should have happened. I mean, yeah. anybody so, anybody who saw Donald Trump on Monday in Georgia knew that things were boiling up. They were boiling up in his mind and yeah, and yeah. so the the idea that the Capitol was not protected was you know ridiculous. Was so I mean, what, ridiculous. what happens if that is a, in fact a peaceful protest? There's no impeachment. There would be no There's impeachment. no storming the ca- the Capitol. Right, no, no, be no you don't have these right. ten. Uh, Republicans voting for impeachment. You don't have this. I mean, you're still having a fracture within right. the Republican Party, but not nearly as severe. Right. Well, what's interesting, too, is that uh, on the impeachment thing, um, it looked a week ago like Mitch McConnell was maybe going to get to 17 votes on the Republican side mm-hmm. and that and that and that and then that this ex-president would be impeached. But that's collapsing. And it's and and it looked a week ago like McConnell, John Thune. Barrasso, Wyoming, and uh, I want to say Cornine, Corzine, Cornine, Cornine in Texas, the leadership. The four, the four leadership were, were going to go for impeachment because McConnell and Thune were going to go for it. So three and four would follow and three and four have decided no. And so that's falling apart. So if the Senate leadership is not going to be together, uh, on the impeachment, it, I, I think it's very, it looks very difficult to get to the 17 votes. And so now, if they can't get to the 17 votes, if McConnell's sitting there with only eight or nine or 10 votes, including maybe himself at this point, thinking, you know, geez, I don't, you know, what, yeah. you know, especially the reaction. This is, this changed when they saw how strong the pushback was. That's what to, I was going to say. To the 10 Republican House members and Jamie Herrera. I mean, nobody's been a better vote getter, getter than Jamie Herrera, Herrera representing out of the four we talked about last week, out of the 40 congressional districts on the left coast that touched the ocean. Yeah. Being the only Republican. And so you think, you know, hey, and she beat this Carolyn Long, who should have kind of seemed like the Democratic image of somebody who could win. Right. She beat her twice pretty impressively. And now they want to get her. And so the senators are watching that and they're backing away from the impeachment. And and so and the idea of impeaching an ex-president seems a little bit too much anyway. Well, so I, I I feel like when you remove Trump from Twitter, you remove him from Facebook, you... Uh, remove him from the national mm. media attention. They're not. It was actually hard to see the speech that he gave. The, yeah. the uh, farewell address. The farewell address. Um, that y- you you just start to lower the temperature right. of everything. But you know, I was looking. I was searching for something on Google. It was the Republican. De- the uh, not the deplorables, but the uh, a statement that was made about Republicans. And I googled it, and. I actually didn't find it. And mm-hmm. it's like, I know I heard this. Hmm. And I Googled it again. And then I went to Duck, Duck, what's the duck, other Duck, Duck, Go. Yeah. Duck, Duck, Go, another search engine, and tried it on there. And then I found some results. And I realized if if Google wants to suppress something. They do. You can't find it. And they just suppress my phone. No, <laughs> it, but it's but it's like, it's like. The media, if the media doesn't amplify it, yeah, and Google doesn't, this is something the left has figured out is it's that deplatforming works. 
Yeah. And if you get all the tech companies, the media on board, you can silence somebody. I mean, they've been doing this with, with Milo, uh, Yiannopoulos. They did now Trump. I mean, these, these provocateurs on the right have all been silenced and, and you and, don't see it anywhere. And I'm not saying, oh, it was the reprogramming of Republicans. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Yeah. And then you start to go, well, maybe it didn't happen. Right. Right. If I can't find it on Google. Yeah. Maybe it didn't actually happen. And so this arbitration of information is really becoming a serious problem. Well, I would say the left doesn't see it as a problem. They see it as a feature. No, they see it as truth versus untruth. Yeah. No, I I think that's... and, And so this is my problem with this. And I've said this a zillion times probably on here. But who determines what truth is? The government lies to you. Remember back when <laughs> when masks didn't work. This yeah. was the official statement from the Dr. Surgeon Fauci. General. No, it wasn't. The, well, I don't think it's Fauci, but it was it was uh, the Surgeon General. There's a tweet. It's still up yeah. that masks do not work back in February or March or yes. April. Right. And the reason being, we didn't have enough masks for the yeah, uh, so medical professionals. And so, rather than saying, "Hey guys, we don't have enough masks for the medical professionals," is way more important that they have it than you do. Uh, don't buy masks. They just said masks don't work. And this is a, a standard for operating procedure by the government. And so if the government is deciding or tech is deciding or someone is deciding that what is true and what isn't, they're, they're just manipulating. And that, like, the, the free expression of ideas is the only way that you fix that. Well, my, I, I know when I say this, my liberal friends are going to go, oh, there's Alan. He's lost his mind. He's a QAnon supporter. He believes Google is manipulating the results. It's like, no, for sure, 100% Google decides what comes to the top couple of pages. And yeah, that's that, all that that's, really matters. That's well, not even right? a, yeah. I don't want to live in an, in an America where Donald Trump doesn't have a voice. Um, I, I think maybe Donald Trump, you know, I mean, the last, you know, the two months after the election were not, were not good for Donald Trump. And not good for the country, but the the I I I hope he's up with the television network, and he he probably will be. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Well, and here's here's one of the problems that you're seeing is that since media is dividing, and you have to go through a paywall mm-hmm. to get to most of this information. Yeah. I'm not going to put up money to go to the New York Times. Right. Because everything I read just makes me mad, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I have put up money to go to the Wall Street Journal because mm-hmm. at least I'm not mad all the time right. when I read it. <laughs> I tried to put up money to go to the Oregonian, but their website is so effed up. Right. I now pay money and can't get access to right. the Oregonian, right. right? Right. But when you do this, I'm now, it's like I'm not getting information from the New York Times. Right. Right. I'm getting information from the Wall Street Journal and from yeah. other things that are free. It, it is it's it's really, really weird because we all used to get information from CBS, NBC and ABC mm-hmm. and then our local paper and maybe the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. I mean, that was yeah. that was sort of it. And then USA Today came out. If you you know, yeah, so if you just want to eat candy, you could have the USA so you, Today. So you go to the grocery <laughs> store, and you, you know, and, you know, there's not like three meals. Traditionally. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, it's not like, okay, you can just buy roast beef, the fish meal or the turkey meal and that's it. Right. right? So we've, you've been able to do that in your diet for your whole life. Why can't we do that? What's wrong with 
uh, having each person put together their own information menu. I think that's I think that's fine, but what it's going to do is it's confirmation bias. It and creates, I see it well, in it myself. It creates echo chambers, yeah. Okay, so that's, there, that's it, the problem. And, right, there, and it, you have to be curious enough to right. seek out the other side's point of view and yep. then because the algorithms res- won't show it to and you. respect okay, them yeah. enough to yeah. go, you know, James, that's that's okay, so, really interesting that so, you don't agree with me. So we have Let's um, take a break and we'll come right back. And and continue this discussion. This is Allie and Pacero with her friend James Ball. Allie and Pacero with her friend James Ball. Jimmy, you were just yeah. So on we something so here. we have um, I you know I think that the problem is not that a person can't uh shouldn't have the capability you know doesn't have the capability to put together a, a set of information that would allow them to get um good news. The problem is that we have done such a reprehensible job in teaching civics in our education system that people are ignorant when they go in for what they're looking for. We've just elected a U.S. senator from Alabama who thinks that they could have moved the inauguration day back a couple of weeks because he didn't know that it was in the Constitution, (laughs) and who thinks that the three branches of government – are the House, the Senate, and the House. And so, and his, <laughs> right. you know, and so the guys, I'm, I'm sure that if you put that to ask Tommy Tomperville to put together a flex defense, he'd be just fantastic at it, but the U.S. Senate probably doesn't need it, you know, or the nickel package or whatever. But, but in terms of the lack of, you know, the, the how we have gotten to a point where we just uh, decided that civics education, I mean, you three tours of duty in, in the U.S. Army, I mean, you must have feelings about this. About the lack of civics? I, yeah. <laughs> so you don't, you don't even quite, I, you don't quite I, even I, understand where I'm going with it. I mean, no, the, well, you, because, because our, our, our framers believed that people had to have part of having a democracy was de- dedicating. You get up, you get up in the morning and you might spend 20, 30% raising your family and 30% of your time, um, Doing your in, you know, doing your occupation and 15 or 20% of your time on, on helping your republic be a good republic and on civic duty. And if you don't, if, and if, if you don't do that, if citizens don't do that and don't understand to do that, then the, the thing is going to fail. Well, yeah, we've switched from, you know, you have to earn your vote to everyone gets a vote. And I, and I think that there's nothing wrong with that, but what you end up with is, I think it's a more equitable solution, but what you end up, yeah, is, is low information voters and yeah, low information senators, as it turns mm-hmm. out. Um, you I don't know what I, to think of that. I, I, I spent my entire life working to create opportunities for, for folks because I was blessed with an education right. and a background that could do that. Right. And then I got some experience that gave me some connections to and, be able to do that. And then you did <clears throat> your civics education but the thing was, on steroids. When I was doing it, I didn't care about the government. But you look at your life <clears throat> as a package, though, Alan. No, so and, then I, yeah. and then I got involved when I had time. But, right. but the thing is, it's very interesting how, how what's happening is we are becoming so selective about where we get information. If you think about it, you've always been able to choose what book you wanted to right. read, right? Exactly. And you'd go to or the library, magazine. and it wasn't like they'd stick books in front of your face and say, these are the only books you're allowed to read. Yeah. And if you want to read those books, you have to go through this gate and pay for it 
and and yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's not just that; it's the Facebook algorithm showing you what you want to hear. It's well, like, oh, you you've looked at this Newsmax article. Right. Here's here's an Epoch Times <laughs> right. article that says the same thing. Here's a Natural News right. article. This is the same. Thing. The same thing happens on the right. left. A generation ago, you chose when you went into the library and you were interested in political magazines. You chose the National Review or the Atlantic Monthly. No, I mean, it, you made that choice. No, I'd go to the yeah. I'd go to the library and I'd get um, U.S. News and World Report. And I get Aviation Week and Space Technology, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's what I did. You know, I wanted to talk about something. It's kind of related to what we're doing. I'll hold this up. These are the executive orders that Joe signed right. in the first two days. Just yeah. a little synopsis of each one. One of them buried down in here that I think is significant was that for the census, if you notice, they haven't reported the census results yet. No. And this is important because it determines who gets congressional districts and who doesn't. Right. Looks like Oregon will get another one. But one of the things that Joe signed was that you, sh- that you will count illegal residents, residents without documentation, uh, when you're apportioning congressional districts. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that's a big difference. That's 11 million people yeah. dispersed across the United that's States. 20 congressional seats. Right. Yeah. Which means where you have high concentrations of people that are here and have extended, gone beyond their visas or came in mm-hmm. undocumented or whatever, they will not, they can't vote, but they will now count mm-hmm. toward apportionment of congressional probably seats. Probably means more yeah. Democratic seats. Yes. Yeah. This is the whole three fifths compromise thing all over again. Of you know, and so three fifths compromise. You yeah, know, the the slave states wanted to include slaves in their congressional count so that they get more representation in the government, and the northern states did not want to, and so they they agreed on three fifths. Um, but that was a decision made by Congress, not unilaterally by the president. But so I'm sure there was some there was some calculation in there that he's like, oh, this is twenty congressional seats. And 15 of them are going to be Democratic seats. So we're going to go through and do it. I'm, I'm sure that's what it was. That this is, this is how the, the left works is if well, it can gain them some seats, they'll do it. Well, and, and I'm not begrudging them, right? Because mm-hmm. I have been consistent, I hope, in look, elections have consequences. That's why we got to, we, Amy Comey Bryant got to become a Supreme Court justice. He absolutely has the authority to do this. It, maybe it's going to be challenged in the courts, but I want to highlight it to people mm-hmm. because it's the kind of thing that gets done and nobody really realizes what it means mm-hmm. and how important it is. It, it seems like really inside baseball. Another one uh, cancels Keystone Pipeline. We talked about that. Another one is canceling the funding for the wall. Um, so I, I, can I just make one more yeah, comment on that? Go ahead. So it's, you it's know, you, not you, that the... You, you don't have the, to ask permission anymore. Well, it, as a as, I'm kind of inter- interrupting, Alan. Um, the, the problem with counting 11 million undocumented, undocumented immigrants, like you said, is they don't get to vote which means all that's doing is giving more power yes. to whatever congressional representative happens to be in that district. Yes. So it's not empowering these these right. undocumented immigrants. No. It's giving power to whatever Democrat controls that district. It's giving added Democratic seats to the U.S. House. Yeah. So this, this is, you know, he's going to spin it as, as this is, you know, empowering the undocumented immigrants and, you know, they're going to have more representation and people are going to care more about undocumented immigrants. Right. It's not true. It's it's going to just 
improve the but, Democratic Party. But this is one of the problems with the Republican Party right now, and it's one of the problems with the Trump presidency, is that we're very good at bitching about how unfair the rules are. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we, you know, we don't we don't like any of the new rules, and a lot of the new rules suck, like registering voters. Well, who I, didn't, I, it's let, not. Let me. Do it's mind? not. It's, do you mind? Do you mind? He's in interruption mode now. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, because yeah, you're 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 interrupting right at the I'm, crux of my okay, point. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so and we've got to take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> God, that's a we do one. have to well, take okay, a break. The double interruption. Keep your keep your keep your thought. We'll be right back. This is Ali and Pacera with a friend, James Ball. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash Portland. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero with our friend James Ball. Jim was on a roll and we just cut him off. We, we canceled Jim. Well, I mean, okay, so, so you have a situation where we, we, Republicans are very good at bitching about the rules. Excellent right now. And the Trump presidency was good at that too. And he spent two months bitching about the rules. Well, Democrats are good at it too. Uh, no, yeah, no, oh, but, remember the Amy whoa, 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 Go ahead. Stop go ahead. it. Both we're, of you. We were just augmenting your discussion. Okay, but no, but the Republicans, in my impre- impression, have a, you know, a really have be- become very, sophi- you know, very sophisticated or no, I don't know about sophisticated, but very habitual in bitching about the rules. They got all these complaints about everything that's gone on, all the things the Democrats do. But from a managerial standpoint, Alan, you are the manager of the GOP in the last 15 or 20 years. You won the popular vote in one out of eight elections. And then when you look at your manager report, your staff brings it to you and you see 70% of Hispanics voted Democrat when they are a conservative culture. As a manager, do you look at that and go, I just want to bitch about the rules? Or do you say, hey, maybe I want to know what we did wrong and maybe we do some things right because these voters got to be our voters. They will be our voters. Okay, but but what you but you would ask for a roadmap to get there, wouldn't no, you? No, but they 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 will be. Yeah, but we you, got you can you can feel the change. You can coming. feel it, and this is the populist movement of the okay. Republican Party, and that the Democrats have. And if please go back and look at Wikipedia and look at these elections right. side by side, and you can see the shift occurring mm. in the United States, and we're going through okay. another one of okay. those okay. shifts where the Democrats well, have become the party of right. big business, exactly. Right. Yeah. And big government. And the Republicans are becoming the party of these guys, (laughs) the guys that have been left out, the guys that that big business and big government have have left behind. So two things. First of all, the Democrats also complain about the rules. The Amy Coney Barrett thing. They wanted to they wanted to stack the court. They wanted to add seats to the legislature, to the Senate. Right. Um, Right. And like the, the Electoral College. They've been complaining about the Electoral College to the point where they're trying to undo it. Mm-hmm. This is part of what, you know, started mm-hmm. our country and the Democrats are trying to undo it because they don't like the rules. Right. So, too, I'm not complaining that the rules are not in our favor. I'm complaining about the way this is going to be spun by the left. Mm-hmm. Biden and his people are going to take this and say that it's empowering to uh, Hispanic people. It's, you know, giving them a voice in Congress. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's giving whoever happens to own that district a voice in Congress, which they already have. It's probably going to be a rich white dude. 
So well, the other the it's, other it's thing a spin. is it's the, a spin to get them the, more seats. There's there's nothing right. about racial equality in this, but that's how they're going to spin it. And, that's what irritates. And they're me. going to get right. a path. I mean, the, he signed something in here about path to citizenship for the 11 million undocumented people as well, which means that they eventually they can vote. And the sure. thing for me is, look, I want talk. I want people like Manuel, our friend. Right. I want his opinion of this. What do you think about just letting 11 million people oh, he's come in? It. Right? Yeah. Well, let's go back to what you said, though, about we're, get, we're getting those voters because Hispanic voters. Because in 2004, George W. Bush got 35% of the Hispanic vote. And in 2020, Donald Trump got 30% of the vote. And that's off of like a record low of like 20% when he said they're sending us their rapists. Now, now that some of that may have a kernel of truth. In terms of who got in the country illegally. But if you, if you can't, I mean, I agree with you that we are, go, the Hispanics are going to vote Republican, but we're, n- we're not headed in the right direction because we're doing something wrong. We're not reaching out to them. And that's, that's, we, we need to actively court those, those voters. I, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think you, the Democrats are doing a good job of shunning them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And doing what James says, and, sort of using using the right nomenclature. And I don't think they really – I don't think the Democrats understand it because they don't understand the life of a small business person, right. of somebody that came here and had an opportunity yeah. to build Amen. a business Amen. and and is working to do that, has a landscape business or a bicycle repair business or a you know a food cart. They don't understand it, right? Yeah. And they do not understand – I'm telling you, I've been doing this – for 40 years, starting mm-hmm. and growing businesses, mm-hmm. it is way harder to do it now it than it was. Dramatically harder. And it's one of the reasons why I spend time helping young people start and grow their businesses because they need a blocking back. They need somebody to, to help them out to go through this with them. But wow. it is brutally difficult. You wow. feel, you feel like you're doing something wrong mm-hmm. when you're starting a business. And you're, it's, it's like the myriad of, of hoops that you have to jump through. It's like, this feels illegal, right? Like, <laughs> like they don't want me to do this, but I'll, I'll kind of try to figure it out. And who has the benefit? Big business. The ones who are already totally. established. Yes. The ones who have the resources to hire a lawyer to go through all these steps for them. Totally. Th- those are the ones who are benefit. The, the, the small entrepreneur who's not sophisticated, who, it wants to work hard and start a business who has to jump through all these hoops that it's, it's, it's a, it's a mess. Like I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty educated and starting a business was a pain in the neck. Like I get it. I'm, I'm very educated (laughs) in starting businesses and like Oregon saves, you know, this, this new thing that they created where, uh, Oregon businesses now have to provide some sort of retirement benefit for their employees. Sounds like a good idea, right? And if you would have just made it a 401k program and left it in the private sector, I, I think I could have dealt with that. But the fact that they rolled it up into the government and you have all this government overhead and applying through the government. And I was talking to a liberal friend of mine uh, this week, and even she said, you know, Alan, the difference is um, if you don't pay your AT&T bill, AT&T can't put you in jail. Hmm. If you if you screw up this government stuff, you can get put in jail. 
or or even if you don't get or put fined. in jail. Yeah, if you don't pay your AT&T bill, they just turn off your phone. They have unlimited resources to pursue you. There there are unlimited government drones that can that can pester you and garnish your way in legal ways that they can just crush you that an independent relationship with a with a contractor you can't get and they don't yeah. understand they well i and i think you you have to be i mean the barriers that to, uh, to entry in for small business and, and and government ratcheting up those barriers it's not you know you talk about like a like a sort of a forced retirement plan i mean it, there's when you know i i had a struggling business for 12 years and you know we don't think we had we would i mean maybe we shouldn't have stayed in business for 12 years it was our passion but but we wouldn't uh, you know we couldn't have time we didn't have no. money for any extras no and so we you'd you know, be required now yeah and and so we wouldn't have been able to, to to struggle for 12 years no and what they don't understand is it's the time the the ceo of the company who actually is the same person that empties the trash cans and sweeps the floors and and cleans the van and does right all of yeah. those things is spending significant hours trying to deal with this stuff. And if you don't prioritize it to the top of the list, you run the risk of going, uh, being out of business. Well, and most yeah. people now too, they, they can't take a risk if they have a family. They can't take a risk and start no. a business unless their wife has, happens to be a government employee. And they can get, oh, yes, and they totally. get their pension and their health care and totally. their salary. If you can get one side of the house guaranteed, you can take right. a risk. Marry but, a teacher. Yeah. But otherwise you can. And, and, and so, and it's one of the things that people, even though the president Trump didn't necessarily always articulate it that well, just having a business president, a risk taker was so different than the other presidents we've had in recent times. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Alien Pacero with James Ball. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero with James Ball. I want to turn locally for uh, the last two segments here. Um, first of all, with COVID, Kate Brown has now flip-flopped, I don't know, three or four times on who gets priority on vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And so far, um, I have friends that are my age, no underlying conditions in several different states, um, Michigan, Florida, North Carolina, all have been vaccinated already in a fairly straightforward, had a schedule, knew when to go, went, got the vaccine, done. Um, I don't know anybody in – so I'm 66, so over 65. I don't know anybody that has gotten a vaccine unless it's a healthcare professional. Uh, I don't even know if a teacher – I don't know anybody personally that has received it. The interesting thing is Kate has said that teachers are going to get it before seniors. Right. The data, and I just went back through it last night, say there's 10, let's just say five, five people a day um, that are dying 
that are seniors living in congregate living centers. That's about right. Five people a day. The media could very rightfully say Kate Brown is killing five people a day by prioritizing teachers. I don't see that's, articles that's about what they did with Trump. That's what they did with Trump. But yeah. I don't see teachers running around dying. They're not even in school. Right. Right. So take 30 days, take 45 days and vaccinate all of the seniors, starting with the congregate living centers, and you're going to save several hundred lives. And and I, I don't want to do this for hyperbole, right? But but if if we had a mass shooting of five people a day, <laughs> we do yeah. we 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 freak freaking out, and so, you can stop it. By vaccinating the seniors first, and she's not being called out on it. So this is um, – I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here because I've been reading Reddit, and they, there's a lot of leftists on there who, who yeah. make some interesting comments. And it's it's an attempt to reopen the school. So the, the premise is we can't reopen the schools until teachers are vaccinated, which is not true because everyone else has, right. has – others every other state except for like three or four has already opened schools. Um, the, the premise again being that kids are little germ buckets and that they're going to spread yep. this thing wildly. They're going to take it home to their elderly grandparents. And so if we want to quote, stop the spread, we need to, and, and open the schools, the teachers need to be, to be vaccinated. And I, in theory, the kids as well, but, um, that, that's kind of where the, the direction they're coming from. Um, however, I, I'm with you. Like you need to, we need to vaccinate the most vulnerable people who are dying and this, this, this is the fear mongering going on by the state. All those yellow signs that we see everywhere from the OHA talking about, you know, do you love your family? If you love your family, you'll wear a mask type of things. The, the condescending, you know, borderline manipulative way that they're, that they're fear mongering this virus is that if you catch it, you're going to die. Like that's, that's what's going on from the government. And if you well, follow that, if you're going to catch it, you're going to die mindset. It, it logically follows that we want to stop the spread as soon as possible. But the reality is, if you catch it, you're probably not going to die. In fact, there's there's about a one in a thousand chance that you'll die, which is I well, mean, not great, not what I want to take, but it's not what they're talking about. And the thing that's amazing here is, and, and you, you go all the way back to, it's purely political. The teachers yeah. union is the group that supports the Democrats more than any other union they have lined up 100% behind Kate Brown. She said that she's going to prioritize seniors. They pulled the choke collar and said, no, you're going to prioritize us. She flipped, and she's now prioritizing teachers who are not in school yet. And the I'm usually the cynical one on here, Alan. <laughs> I know the hypocrisy of this drives me crazy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know who's dying. It's seniors with underlying conditions in congregate care facilities. They're number one. It's yeah. so easy, right? Number two, seniors without underlying conditions in congregate care facilities. Yeah. Two. Three, all the other seniors that are that are roaming around out there. And if you prioritize that, I think it's only like uh, 280,000 people in the state. There's your 280,000 vaccines. Okay. Now, the rest of it, you figure it out. Right. But we've taken our death rate and cut it to three. We cut three quarters of the deaths out, maybe maybe even more. 
Alan, you're looking at the science. Well, you're that's not, what you're I'm not, su- You're not supposed no, to be no, looking no, at the science. No, 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 I'm a Republican. I'm not a scientist. You're, you're supposed to. No, you're I'm a science to, denier. You don't understand. <laughs> you're supposed to tell people you're listening to the science and then do the politically expedient thing. That's, it, that's what you're supposed to do here. Complete. You're missing it. Kate Brown never got. Never got, um, well, first of all, she shouldn't be governor. She's, and everything she's doing right now is so fear-based that she, that she might make a mistake. And, and, and she was at 45% approval rate, which I think was a really soft 45 going into that election in 2018. And, and yet. It's new, amazing what you know, 30 million dollars can do 50, for your campaign. Well, 40 million and 40 50, million. she got 50% on election day. And I talked to, all sorts of Democrats who come up to me and go, I, 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 you know, I can't believe I voted for her. I just voted for her because I hate Donald Trump. And so, and so therefore, this is what we have. This well, I'll is throw what- something out. Uh, John Kitzhaber wouldn't do it this way. Mm-hmm. Newt Bueller wouldn't right, do it this exactly. way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're, right. you're completely right. I mean, this is so, this is so obvious. And, and, and it's and, really, and we have that, the worst governor in the, the country. And the fact that the media cowers. Yeah. And, and, and doesn't say anything about it, and they're very careful. It's like, no, mm. this is absolutely wrong, and five people a day are dying because she's not vaccinating those people first. Yeah. And she needs to be called out on it. And and the, the, the legislature should say, thank you, Governor Brown, for your input, but we're going to do this and pass a bill that mandates that these this is the order in which this is going to be done. But then they're cutting off their own knees because the OHA and and or the OEA and everybody else supports Tina Kotek just like they support Kate Brown. And that, she's not going to do that. And my message to my Democratic friends here in Oregon, the environmental friends, the social progressive friends, all those things, you don't matter. The only thing in Oregon that matters is the public employee unions and you are being duped and you are being taken for a ride and your voice does not matter and you better wake up and figure it out because that's where we are this is ali and pacero with our friend james while we've got one more segment stay tuned this is ali and pacero with james ball our last segment we're in the final stretch we can go watch foosball for one more weekend some some of us jimmy you well, can't watch football. I have to go He's to, to, go to Verizon. Verizon and hang oh, out with them. Oh yeah. So so I'm going to stream it on my phone <laughs> <laughs> while you're at Verizon with your Android, with your dead Android that you could use as a brick to throw through a window when you're protesting, right? Yes. When you when you it's storm the Capitol, you can old. throw phone. your phone through the window. Okay, so the Democratic Party. So this uh, goes building. back to. Um, I mean, this kind of wraps, you know. Full circle around where we started, because you're talking about an Oregon electorate that is is brain dead. And one of the things, one of the reasons the Oregon electorate is brain dead is uh, has to do with your industry that you came from, because it, it's hard for people to get their head around this. But Oregon is something like 24, 25 percent of the GDP is in technology. And a lot of that technology is divided between Intel's hardware and the right. so- and software. Right. You know, so it kind of split. And, and Intel's like ten percent of the state's economy. So, the next state that has uh, the technology state in the world, California, their GDP is only eleven percent. So the <laughs> right. you know, and Washington State, I think, is like ten percent, and they're like the home of you know uh, Microsoft. So 
here here Oregon is at 24 and 25% technology. And and why that matters and this goes into the deplorables and everything else is that if you have a product you're not just the when you're at the technology state or one of the technology states it's not just like like you're like the head of you know you make a product that you sell to four or five or six states around your region. No, you're like, this is world headquarters. Right. You know, you're selling, you're making world products like you did, and you're selling them on a world market. It's a little bit, you know, you've got a door and window business for the metro area. I mean, mm-hmm. a door, a door, mm-hmm. a door business for the metro area. You're not selling that around the world. No. So all of a sudden, when you sell something around the world and it's a new and it's technology and the margins are high, blah, 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 you become more and more divorced from. Yes. You know, the local politics I mean, and the, and yeah. the, and the revenue base that you're creating for the state government. So you have this unholy, of alliance of these tech people who are all voting. You said at one point, I think ninety percent Democrat. They're voting Democrat because they gay marriage and climate and science right. denying and all of these things. Meanwhile, they're stuffing the coffers of the state government to pay for the PERS and 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 the probably the least creative people, the least entrepreneurial people, probably the laziest people. You know, and I can say that on a podcast. Yeah, and and so. The irony of that marriage politically—it's devastating. Devastating in Oregon. Yeah, no, it's completely unbelievable, and, and adds up to Kate Brown. Well, and this is why when I was running my business, and I got whacked on this when I ran for office, I only voted in the big elections, right? right? I didn't vote for busy. the the little ones and the in between right. ones and the ones in January and the ones in May and all those other things. I voted in the big one, and I'm on. KATU or something, and they're like, Mr. Alley, your voting record. And they, <laughs> it's like, look, I'm running a business. I'm yeah. flying all over the world. Yeah. I've got kids that I want to right. spend a little bit of time with. Right. I, I Frankly, I, I um, delegated mm-hmm. the responsibility to run the state and not blow it up right. to friends in the community yeah. who are closer tied to the community. Yeah. Right. You know, one of the things you see is – so for me, what's going on in Oregon wasn't all that important. It was, it was important, yeah. but it wasn't going to make or break me. For people who are employed by the government or consultants to the government, yeah. it's, it, it's politics is their career. Yeah. It is their life. It is their livelihood. Yep. So they spend 24-7, 365 worried about it. A bunch of Republicans – the people that are on that newspaper, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to work every day. They're trying to make ends meet. They're, you know, and then maybe they're, not, they're, they're spending n- a little time with their family. This is not a worldwide product. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> and I think so, that's what you said, that a lot of those people in that photo, they see government as just this this big, I don't want to say evil's not the right word, but evil's this giant evil. this giant suck. The giant suck that takes things from them and never gives anything back. It takes their time, it takes their money, right. it takes their resources, it tells them how to live their lives, and doesn't give anything to them. But the young tech engineer sees government, sees the Democratic Party, the government party, as protecting us from the Neanderthals. Yeah, it, because they, they've painted the right as the Neanderthals. Yeah. This is this is all the media narrative and the left-wing media narrative. Well, yeah, we, play, we play into it ourselves, though, when we have... When we have like this man, the, 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 the manifesto that came out of the Oregon GOP that the Oregonians objecting to. Mike, the essence of what I said to the Oregonian when they asked me about this mm. was instead of defaulting to 
the deplorables are clinging to their guns and Bibles yet again. Yep. Oh my God. I thought, <laughs> I thought we put them to bed. Right. They're like, think an- about they're it. like ants in think your house on a from a little different range. perspective. Cause I'll, I'll name them. Chris Barreto and Greg Barreto are great people. Right. Mm-hmm. I love them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Greg Barreto is a businessman that mm-hmm. started business from scratch. Chris is a wonderful person supporting him they are they are they are exactly mm-hmm. i wish i had more barettos mm-hmm. right what what had to happen to chris and greg barretto for them to get so angry and so disenfranchised that they're signing up to things like like this manifesto this? right yeah yeah what what? That's the question how? the left isn't asking. No, they, they, they're deplorables. They're clinging to their guns and Bibles. They're, you know, they're, no, these are great. They're not only great people. They are the people that if I was going to start something, okay. I'd want to start with them and build from there. But we've created an environment where people like that are so disenfranchised that they're going to lash out. What so what? This goes back to the, uh, the unity thing from Biden. It's, it's all oh. about the political, you know, it's, it's, let's, let's bring everybody along, but oh, you have to see things my way and you have to follow my political agenda. Um, and there is no effort by the left to understand these people or why they're mad. It's all just, let's well, and, all come and, together and, and, and be I'll Democrats fl- together. I'll flip it around. Look, I, I genuinely, this is why on my Facebook page, I encourage these discussions. I really want people on the left to express themselves because I, I need to put myself in their position. I need to try to intellectually understand it. Tim Nesbitt's a guy I worked right. with. He helped me with that. Okay. And we both need to do that. The right so, needs to so, do it and the left needs so, to do it. So in 1964, I mean, really the father of the, of the conservative movement in my lifetime, the intellectual father, Barry Goldwater, sold conservatism in a very thoughtful but angry way. And in 1964... The movement crashed. It just got off the ground. Everybody got excited. And then it crashed in the general election with 36% of the vote. And Ronald Reagan picked it up. It took, yeah. and it took a decade, picked it up, put a sunny face, a strong face on it, but yeah. a sunny face on it. Yeah. And the movement flew to 60% of the vote. Yeah. So same message. Same message, right? basically. Yeah. No, my mom was, uh, my mom was a big Barry Goldwater supporter. My daughter, so my my granddaughter mm. is uh, related to Ronald Reagan, mm. and on my uh, daughter in law's my daughter's husband's side of the family, mm. Barry Goldwater. Right. So she's Reagan and Goldwater. But the thing is, is that my mom was a big Goldwater supporter. Mm. When Reagan came, she was like, ah! yeah, exactly, <laughs> right, exactly, because it was it was it. She went from this. Angry, disenfranchised right. little fringe it's group to sixty percent of America. Moderation and defense of liberty agrees. is no is no virtue. Right. Well, I, th- I think that that's what we need to do to get over this. Is the 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 disenfranchised, you know, angry ball of Republicans right. doesn't translate well. No. And so what we need well. to do if we want the party to succeed, I think, is get over get over it. Like, well, <laughs> and that's not the well, but I'm, like I'm, I'm hearing, figure out ways to make things. Better I'm hearing rather more than, of that. I'm hearing more of look. We're not the angry ones. We're not the ones that burn down buildings. Your message, yeah. actually, Sean Hannity said almost exactly what you said. Yeah. Look, we don't riot. We don't break windows. We don't paint buildings. We we regroup. We get together. Our message is noble. The message is the right message. Mm. The message is a message that will appeal mm. to first-generation Americans. 
That's what we do. We have to execute on that. Yep. So with that, that's our that's our show for the day. I'm off to Verizon. (laughs) Jim's off to Verizon. I'm going to go watch foosball streamed on my Apple, my nice new Apple phone. You have a new phone that works, a new Apple. I have a new Android that doesn't. True. This is Allie and Pacero with James Ball. Thanks for listening. This has been Allie and Pacero with your hosts, Alan Alley and Jim Pacero. The podcast is produced by James Ball. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to alan at alanalley.com.